are located in far southwestern Fukui Prefecture, bordered by Shiga Prefecture to the south and the heavily indented rear coast of Wakasa Bay on the Sea of Japan to the north. It's due north of Kyoto and it's about four to seven hours by train from Tokyo. And they say that parts of the city are within the borders of the Wakasawan Quasi National Park. What's Quasi National Park? Why is it only Quasi National? We should do some research about that. I um, mean, like, I figure different national park systems would vary wildly nation to nation. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Yeah, sure, but. Why is it, like, officially called a quasi-national park? Anyway. It's probably uh, a classification within their system. Also, related question, what what the fuck are you talking about, Torpson? <laughs> What's all this crap about Japanese geography and, like, well, municipal boundaries? I thought we were doing an episode on the city of Obama, located in Fukui Prefecture no, in Japan. No, 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 the next president, my friend. Ex what? Wait, what which timeline it? are you from? <laughs> you mean Bob Dole? <laughs> <laughs> the best democratic president in living memory. <laughs> Wait, what, what timeline are you from? Is, is Barack Obama still Illinois senator in your timeline? Did he ever even get that far? Okay, now we're talking about President Barack Obama. I think we're on yes, the same timeline. Yes. Okay, up, then what's I this assume... about Bob Dole? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so... Well, that means all my fucking notes are just, like, useless now. It's it's fine. I got some. I got some. Like, any president worth their salt, Obama had a lot of... I want to say fun, because a lot of these are kind of standard conspiracy theories surrounding him. But I kind of wanted to look into these. One, to kind of use it as a sort of excuse to talk about kind of broad patterns you see in American conspiracy theory and... By extension, conspiracy theory globally with regards to political leaders. Partially because there is some fun shit here that I think is worth talking about and can be perhaps evocative for your own wargaming simulations. And partially because I had suspicions, I'd heard whispers and rumors about Barack's involvement in the occult underground. And, you know, you hear those about any prominent political leader. It's just kind of how... Our associates tend to think. I'd heard enough kind of circumstantial stuff that I figured it would be worth looking into that a little bit. And some interesting stuff shook out. It is interesting that the presidency of Barack Hussein Obama, it did coincide with a period, a lull in the war game history, really. It's true, Um, it's true. The Bush years and the Obama years. War game wasn't getting published a whole lot. The early Bush years it was, and uh, then it stopped. When was To Go published? 2003. Okay, so sure. I mean, in certain ways, the war game was prophetic with regards to the Bush years. Cough, cough, fly to heaven, cough, cough. But, um, <laughs> well, that was, that was earlier. That was, that was pre-Twitter. Yeah. No, that, again, it was prophetic for the Bush years. <laughs> Maybe uh, they were afraid of what they'd bring out. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> Greg Stolze. The uh, first draft of the uh, an Army's weather control scenario about a hurricane hitting <laughs> New Orleans. It was about Harp, but it was about a UA version of Harp, which is just uh, three weathermen in a weather balloon. The real fun one was the scenario about a cabal of merchants 
starting a economic collapse in 2008. Oh, yeah. Submarine primal. That's right. <laughs> yep, yep. Obama being kind of in the position that he was culturally and politically allows him to act as a pretty solid case study for sort of broad patterns you see in conspiratorial thought. And I kind of wanted a chance to go over these and to spice them up. We're, of course, going to be talking about, like, hey, what sort of gameable content and evocative ideas you may pull out of that. But two, I want to rate these. We're going to be Cisco and Eberting the shit out of these conspiracies. Though I'm thinking we might want to get a bit more complex than respective thumbs. So I'm thinking a five-star system that worked for you, Thompson? I mean, I've got five thumbs. Well, see, like, okay, then, like, it works out well. But I, I only got, like, I only got one, so... Ah, uh, I see, I see. Yeah, like, uh, I figure it's a good way to split the difference. The, the, the advantage of a five-star, uh, sorry, a five-thumb system is you can start getting really complex with it when you have mixed opinions about a movie. You could be like, well, two thumbs up, two thumbs down, and one thumb to the side. I never watched at the movies because I never watched, I guess, TV film criticism much. But the whole mm-hmm. two-thumbs-up thing was like, just Siskel and Ebert could both give a single thumb right, and two thumbs meant they were both thumbing it up, correct? That was my understanding yeah. of the deal. Yep. Um, Even though it, they both have two thumbs, so that feels like they're pigeonholing themselves a bit, but... There's a lot of movies coming out, and there's... I think they only had, like, 30 minutes to cover all of them, so... That was an interesting time period when... Like, the most prominent reviews were by two professional reviewers on national TV versus now where the most prominent reviewers and most well-respected reviewers are drunks in Wisconsin. Anyway, Barack Obama. There were sort of four, I guess, key categories. I found really three, but I'm throwing in a fourth one because it's one that I find interesting and kind of hilarious, so it'll probably deserve its own episode at a later point. Mm. So there's the crypto-Muslim claims. Um, Crypto-Muslim, yep. Which shouldn't be that surprising. That's sort of the exact sort of pattern that you, you see that those sort of accusations leveraged at Democratic presidents a lot. Not necessarily crypto-Muslim, but like, oh, they aren't actually Christian. There's a lot of anti-Semitic crypto-Jew claims leveraged at FDR. Aha, uh-huh, okay. presidency. There's the crypto-Marxist claims. Again, every moderately left-leaning president and even a few neoconservatives have had these claims leveraged them. Over the years. There's the birth certificate thing, which is fucking huge. Like, I cannot overemphasize how much and how long all this birth certificate shit took up political media for basically the entirety of Obama's presidency. Especially the Mm -hmm. first term, though. Yeah. And then the wild card, so to speak, is Michelle Obama and Transvestigation. Oh, God. Okay. There's more fun than these ones, but we'll see what we can do with these. Yeah. Um, there, there's a few other ones I could find, but there just wasn't that much meat to them. Stuff like Obama's Pakistani roommate being his, like, long-term gay lover. Oh, what, because just, he was, like, in a photograph, like, sitting next yes, to him too close or yes, some bullshit? Yes, like, oh, yes. yeah, whatever. And the uh, and photographic body language expert, the most reliable sciences, was like, oh, yeah, obviously these two are gay as fuck. 
photographic body. That's my next identity. <laughs> photographic body language expert. And there's some stuff about him having affairs with staffers and shit. That's the thing. Like, a lot of these are very just kind of typical setups for pretty much any Democratic president. The Muslim stuff's kind of new. And, you know, I think that a lot of that Well, it's can... not that new. It's like, it's, it's new because it's it was new like an accusation. It's a new spin on a very old recipe. Yes. Like, if they used... Like, he wasn't hiding it, but his Catholic faith yeah. led to a lot of bullshit when he was running for office and became president. And he wasn't hiding it, but there were accusations that he was an agent of the papacy trying to mm-hmm. compromise the American government, which... As we all know, that's only partially true. The main purpose of that was the papacy was really pushing for one of their agents to get someone on the moon so they could finally grant the moon a bishop. Mm, mm, mm. I see. I see. And that's why they killed so, him. That's why the Jesuits yes, killed him. Yes. Dallas. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yes. Yep. Because he had served his purpose. The moon now had a bishop. Which shot the pagan revival in the foot because, of course, you can't worship the moon improperly. There's a bishop there. <laughs> That's ingenious, actually. But I admittedly kind of only went to the surface a lot of this shit. If there are any more interesting and fun conspiracies you want to bring are. involving Barack Obama, yes. please bring them up because I was also kind of disappointed by how relatively boring a lot of these were. Okay, no worries. Uh, Let's go through some of these little ones first, though. Yeah. So we've got the crypto-Muslim sort of terrorist things. They're pretty boring to the most part. Like, things that are... Like, he secretly speaks Arabic, but, like, why would he bother yeah. to secretly speak Arabic? Like, he'd just speak Arabic. That sounds like a boon dipl- diplomatically. Like, having a yes. person that speaks Arabic would probably be really fucking helpful in certain ways. Yeah, it would be useful. Hell, in a sense, like, one of Obama's biggest, I don't, don't want to say blind spots, but biggest weak points in his sort of experience up to the presidency was in geopolitics. Pretty much all of his political experience was very local and domestic. Well, this is one thing I actually was thinking about as I was going over these conspiracies, and especially, like, the hysterical conspiracy-mongering as soon as Barack Obama became elected, which was clearly just a reaction to, like, not just him being a Democrat, but being black. I think it's also just kind of, like, where the American right was at the time. I'd say since World War II, the American left and the American right have kind of had turns at being the more conspiratorially-minded political group, especially among the fringe. For most of American history, I'd say conspiracy theory has leaned right wing. But during the 60s and in the 70s, I'd say that changed. Pro really added a sort of conspiratorial awareness to the American left. Because, yeah, we mm-hmm. got evidence that uh, they were compromising their radical groups through intelligence organizations. There was pretty concrete proof of that. But also, I mean, perhaps this is painting with a bit broad of a brush, but the American left in the late 60s through the 80s was smoking a lot of weed, to be oh, honest. Yeah. And I think that had a non-negligible influence on the 
conspiratorial leanings of more radical parts of the American left wing during that period. Mm-hmm. But then I'd say that kind of started shifting in the 90s. Partially because I think a lot of those kind of left-wing conspiracies ended up becoming more mainstream knowledge. Mm -hmm. Stuff about the CIA's activities in South America. Stuff about COINTELPRO and Mm. MKUltra. All the new wave alien shit just became fodder for television and movies in a lot of ways. But while that's happening, you have sort of the militia movement coming into its own. And that's sort of the real big revitalization, I'd say, of right-wing conspiratorial thinking. And that really kind of blows up in the wake of 9-11. I do want to say that in the direct wake of 9-11, truth was much more left-wing than it was right. At the beginning, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'd say partially just down to kind of who was president at the time, the sort of actions that were taken in the wake of 9-11. Sure. Like, it was not uncommon for fairly left-wing people to be talking about 9-11 truth in a fairly organized fashion. I know Michael yes. Moore was t- talking mm-hmm. about a fair amount. And we, as, we got to save this for a 9-11 episode, which yes, is going to come yes, out. Yes, yeah, but like, like 9-11. 9-11 was a flashpoint in American conspiracy culture. Is kind of sure. But as that political shift continued, it became much more wrapped up with the Tea Party, which mm. was... I that always say late, the Tea Party. That was late Bush as well. It started when it emerged as Tea Party. Yeah. And that, that's when you really started seeing a organized right wing push against neoconservatives. Sure, but then, it, then they sort of did a segue to being about Obama. The Tea Party and all that weren't happy with Bush. And they wouldn't have been happy with McCain or Romney either. They wouldn't have gone away. That would have been a thing. But. Obama being elected caused that movement to grow because of like cultural reaction. Yeah. It was a tent for right-wing people to kind of organize under. Especially as the opinion came to sort of be that, okay, neoconservatism is a toothless ideology. It, it can't actually win elected elections the way it used to. I mean, it can't it, 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 spur it, it, people it, it, on it, it, and inspire people like it was able to under Reagan. And you know, neoconservatism isn't very appealing when you're in an economic downturn, fundamentally. It's still pretty toothy when you're, like, at an Afghan wedding, though. Yes. Well, I mean, Obama was doing plenty of that, too. Well, this is the thing yeah. I was thinking about. I was wondering how this affect like, Obama, like, mentally, psychologically. Like, looking at it in game terms, right? If you are, right. like assailed by a whole bunch of like crazy conspiracy like theories and like accusations and things this seems like the kind of thing that's going to give you some self-checks and make you hardened in self right does that have an effect later in your presidency when someone comes up to you and says mr president your foreign policy is just completely inconsistent and not achieving anything or like mr president why you do these these particular policies are bad after you've been like just like waterboarded with bullshit that's not true would you become more resistant to good faith criticism i mean i could definitely see that happening i think my suspicion there would be that definitely applied to sort of the broader media and how obama saw Mm -hmm. it but i don't think there were many people oh yeah that sort of shit in his actual social circle 
Which no, but was... I think how does it affect you? Just like if you're getting like waves and waves of bullshit criticism, like they're giving you shit because you chose to have Dijon mustard. Or they're giving you shit for wearing a tan suit and they're like claiming that you're a crypto Muslim and claiming all this bullshit, like this wave after wave of bullshit. Eventually, you're going to start batting down the hatches. And then when someone comes to you saying like, Obama, I think this is a bad decision. You shouldn't do this. You'll be like, fuck off. I'm the president. (laughs) This is the right decision to make. I could definitely see that you happening, could. and I suspect that process has, to a degree, happened to every U.S. president ever. Yeah, probably. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> That's true. When you are such a prominent political figure that is the center point of so much culture, not just in the United States, but globally, separating the noise from the signal in terms of criticism is a huge undertaking. Hmm. That's true. You could always be like Trump and just not and just just ignore. Well, it. yeah, yeah. Trump, <laughs> Trump didn't give a shit. It does seem like, in a sense, that Trump kind of took more of that sort of conspiratorial criticism to heart because mm. that was more of his cabinet. You know, I think it's kind of easy, fundamentally, if you're a political leader like that, to ignore what the news is saying about you. Mostly, like it's very easy to just be like, "This is not actually reflective of what my constituency thinks of me." But if there's people within your social circle saying that sort of shit, that's any sort of conspiratorial shit becomes a lot harder to ignore. Mm, that's true. I guess Obama didn't have to worry about this sort of thing. Though I also think Trump's probably just a significantly less skeptical personality than Obama is. That's t- maybe. Well, you think? Just a little. Maybe. Just a little. Maybe. There is some interesting stuff with the crypto-Muslim thing, though. Like, one of how widespread that belief was. Like, Pew Mm -hmm. Research conducted a poll in 2012. 17% of Americans thought he was Muslim. (laughs) That is a sixth of the country. A lot of that is down to his second name, his middle name. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. (laughs) People are dumb. People are real dumb. The funny thing is, like, the follow-up question was, okay... What are your opinions of his religious leanings? And a lot of the people that thought he was a Muslim were like, oh, I'm fine with him being Muslim. Okay, fair enough. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm thinking of, you mentioned before, like, Obama's not going to have that many people in his cabinet with yeah. conspiratorial leanings. But it would be funny if it would be like, Mr. President, I know you're a crypto-Muslim reptoid, but you're my president, damn it. <laughs> and I'll follow you to the end. When, when your patriotism... Is the only thing stronger than your stone cold paranoia? Yeah, a lot of the claims around this are generally in relation to his kind of his dad's quote unquote, his biological father and his stepdad, mm-hmm. Obama's biological dad, Barack Obama Senior, did have a Muslim background, but he was like a Muslim turned atheist because he he was like a, came. he was a communist, right? I think his no. father was. No, his father was. I mean, like his father I think was. You're thinking I mean, of a different story. This came up. This came up in my searches. Like, so we'll get to that later. The documentary "Dreams from My Real Father." Oh, um, dreams from, oh no! Wait a minute. Who, who did that? Oh God. We'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. But the thing that's like worth talking about, I think, with the Obama Senior is, you know, he's a Muslim turned atheist that's deeply embedded in like Kenyan academia. Yeah. Um, as he went through schooling, he obtained a lot more of a secular and rationalist worldview and mm-hmm. 
moved away from religion. A lot of people think that like only happens in the West. And, you know, Eastern wisdom is so much more in touch with the human soul and has a better understanding of the human condition. No, like, people, people anywhere, when they tend to be more educated, tend to reject organized religion. Okay, apparently Obama Sr. came from a Roman Catholic background, converted to Islam, and then converted to yes. Anglicanism, and then became an atheist. Which is, it's yes. a nice joke. So he tried a few things. He tried a few things. A lot of fairly organized religion. But eventually he's like, yeah, no, I don't like any of these. And that's kind of interesting because Obama's stepdad during his early childhood, Lolo Sotero, also came from a Muslim background, but also experimented a lot with religion. Though he was kind of more broadly spiritual and had particular mm. interest. Though he like was Muslim and upbringing and technically labeled himself Muslim, took a lot of influence from like Dharmic religions. So, Buddhism and uh, Hinduism. Interesting. Small brain take, Obama's a crypto-Muslim. Giga b- galaxy brain take, Obama's a crypto-Hindu. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's the deep cut. <laughs> and a lot of this is just kind of rooted in Obama spent a lot of his early childhood in Indonesia, because that's kind of where his mom's studies specialized in. It's uh-huh. where Lolo Sotero was from. Actually, early in his campaign, one of the claims given for him being Muslim was that he spent four years of his life studying at a madrasa in Indonesia. Uh-huh. And that's technically true in the terms that madrasa is just an Arabic term for school. Yeah. And he well, lived in Indonesia from the time he, from when he was six to when he was ten years old. It wasn't a religious school, even. But I don't know. I don't think the word is. What's the word in Indonesian for school? I don't, might be a madrasa. I feel no, like you'd uh, be more likely to know this than I would. Sekolah, yeah. sekolah, yes. So I don't think. I, don't, I think the thing about him attending a madrasa in Indonesia is is bullshit. I think my favorite manifestation of the crypto Muslim theory is mm-hmm. how it's manifested in the Muslim parts of the world. For example, cool. Taha okay. al-Lahibi, a former member of the Iraqi parliament, who's kind of apparently known for conspiracy stuff, claimed that Obama was Muslim. But specifically, okay. he was the son of a Shiite Kenyan father. Oh, wait a minute. Is this, is, so he must have been a... Uh, because there's lots of Shiites in Iraq as well, so and there, there's a lot of them in parliament, so I guess... Well, no, these claims were made after he was a member of Iraqi parliament. Mm, okay. To clarify there. They were not made on the floor of parliament. Though I do love the idea of, like, some member of Iraqi parliament being like, as we all know, Barack Obama's a crypto-Muslim, we should take advantage of his secret beliefs for diplomacy and to further Iraq on the world stage. Mm-hmm. Like Obama's walking into like a a G20 meeting or something and all all the Arab leaders start winking at him. (laughs) So far as the crypto Marxism stuff, that kind of has two big pillars to that belief. The first is Obama's connections with a guy named Bill Ayers. Mm -hmm. So Bill Ayers was a member of the Weather Underground, which was a left-wing terrorist organization during the 70s. Most well-known, probably, for the kidnapping of Patty Hearst, 
they bombed several banks. They didn't really kill any people. And I know that many of their members are very proud of that fact. You know, it was just kind of part of the landscape of the 70s. A lot of the hope from the 60s had died. And you saw groups that were much more about, you know, direct action in a very... Mm. I wasn't necessarily orthodox, but very explicitly communist direct action. Mm-hmm. Often allied with the Panthers. Panthers mm-hmm. were a bit more heterodox. Like, they were nominally like a Maoist group. But mm-hmm. there were a lot of people closely involved with the Panthers that didn't care that, that much about the communist shit. So, Bill Ayers was one of the leaders of the Weather Underground. He ended up being a fugitive for a while after the group fell apart with his mm-hmm. wife. He ended up being acquitted. His wife was not oh. spent time in prison. And after all this went down, Ayers ended up getting very involved with community activism in Chicago. Which is, okay. of course, where Obama rose to political prominence. Because... Ayers had worked with Obama before. There was a lot of claims leveraged that, oh, obviously Obama's working with this former communist terrorist. Therefore, he has these political beliefs. But my understanding is that they didn't get along very well. There were more than a few occasions during Obama's presidency where Ayers was interviewed for comment. And generally, he was like, yes, I'd worked with him in the past. I was acquaintances with him in a sense, and I have very negative opinions of his actions geopolitically and Uh. how he has been utilizing the military and the bailouts that he did in the wake of the 2008 financial crash. So yeah, Ayers knew Obama had worked with him fast and didn't really like him very much as a president. The latest involvement I could find between the two is apparently... They both attended the wedding of a mutual friend back in 2014. Okay. And I think there's kind of two things to be cleaned from this. One, just how little Obama gave a shit as he was closing out his second term. Yeah. There's an interesting cross-section of the sorts that can end up involved in community politics. But just kind of how little ideology sort of affects the actual stuff that goes on in those spaces. Mm. Like, I can imagine that Bill Ayers and Obama maybe at this wedding shaked hands, exchanged some cool greetings, Mm -hmm. and then were just whispering the entire time, oh, fuck, that asshole's here. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, because it's embarrassing for each in one another way. I, I think a lot of this really comes down to, like, yeah, he's got an association with this particular person. It is kind of nuts that, like, a former terrorist can just be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to become a prominent local activist and, like, become a professor at the university. That's that's wild to me, in a sense. Yeah, it's not that wild, especially left-wing terrorists. Like, yeah. Like, even the FBI in their, like, reports and studies on terrorist, domestic terrorist movements, even they admit that left-wing terrorist organizations generally tend to avoid killing people while right-wing terrorist movements want to kill people generally speaking because the goals are different like the left-wing groups are much more likely to stage sort of like big sort of grand gestures and like symbolic things blowing up banks and whatnot and kidnapping yes 
Yes, exactly. Like, um, which, in famously with the Patty Hearst stuff, it ended up with her as an ardent communist because they were able to yeah. convince her. Like, oh wait, yeah, all this sounds pretty legit. Yeah. Oh, this is why you can never know. Fair enough. That I know that's our big story. We haven't gone to go into that. But I think the biggest thing is the fact that the American right wing cannot distinguish between a neolib and a communist. They don't know what a communist is. No, they don't know they what don't. communism is. It's like Barack Obama, based on his policies and everything he said, he is a neolib, like, down to his bones. There is not any Marxism there. I wouldn't go that uh, far. I'd say Obama definitely had a much more radical edge earlier in his career, a much more idealistic edge that just kind of yeah. got sanded off. Yeah, perhaps, but he dropped it all pretty fucking quick as soon as he got in, into like any positions. Like It's like hope and change, and then what? I think the vast majority of that idealism was gone by the time he was running for president. When he's like in the state senate and then going on to Congress, I, I think that basically just like each step he went up the political ladder, he's like, all right, I need to get shit done. Getting shit done versus strongly adhering to my principles, I'm going to go with the first one. And even early in his career, like when he was elected as the first black president of the Harvard Law Review, he got that role by, he basically had a meeting with all of the conservative members of the paper. And it was like, all right, I promise to listen to your concerns and keep them in mind as I act as editor for this extremely prestigious paper. Even before he was doing community activism stuff, he was more big on getting himself into a position of power where he thinks he can actually get shit done and mm-hmm. realizing that requires compromise in a lot of ways. Yeah, just compromise. Compromise forever. That's yeah. the Democratic Party. Uh, far as down to his bones. <laughs> interesting, interesting way of putting that because there is a documentary called Dreams oh, yes. from My Real Father. Um, it's by Joel Gilbert, also known for the two movies he released before Dreams from My Real Father. Those being Paul McCartney is Really Dead, The Last Testament of George Harrison, and Elvis mm-hmm. Found Alive. That's, that, that, that seems quite reasonable. <laughs> it's a reasonable thing. I reasonable. trust this man. Yeah, I trust this man. I ardently believe in both of those things. I'm looking forward to him completing the trilogy with Tupac. Aha. Uh-huh. And keep in mind, he released these like a couple years before Dreams of My Real Father. Now, after that movie came out and he was trying to like be more serious, he kind of covered his ass like, no, no, those are mockumentaries. I swear. <laughs> As opposed to sticking to his principles and like, yes, I believe that who Obama claims to be his father is not his real father. And also that Elvis is still alive. These two things are not mutually exclusive people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they shouldn't be. And also that Elvis killed Paul McCartney. Yes. Obviously. Obviously, to gain his power. There is, there is secretly a Highlander situation among mid-century rock stars. That's a campaign right there. Yeah. That's solid. God, I have like so many fucking ideas for that now. That explains John Hinckley Jr. He was trying to get in on that by killing Reagan to further his folk music career. Obviously. Of course. So, Dreams from My Real Father. The narrative that this documentary proposes is, well, many things. Most importantly, that Barack Obama Sr. is not Obama's real father, but is instead a man named Frank Marshall Davis. 
Oh. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. I am not familiar with Frank Marshall Davis. So he was a, a American poet, writer, and labor activist, active in the Chicago area earlier in his career, and then Hawaii later in his career. During his time in Chicago, okay. he was actually a fairly prominent part of the Harlem Renaissance and kind of the cultural ripples that came from that. You know, the big movement for black art that you saw coming to prominence during the 40s and 50s. So I thought he was in Chicago, though. He was in Chicago, but the Harlem Renaissance kind of, again, had ripples outside of just Harlem. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. The specific scene that he was part of has been called by history the Black Chicago Renaissance. Aha. He was the editor for a lot of black Chicago newspapers in the... 30s and 40s and mm-hmm. then in the late 40s he moved to Hawaii and ended up getting involved with more broader labor papers operating out of the area that's an interesting time to move to Hawaii I would agree <laughs> I mean it wasn't like a destination yet I-, I could see there being sort of a black arts culture of sorts in Hawaii from like a lot of the GIs the GIs being stationed sure. there yeah, that that's true. But there weren't regular flights or anything in that during that period. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a vacation center the way it was later on. Like, there weren't 1950s tiki bars and that whole thing, Blue Lagoon and the... Yeah, it was mostly like a military center above all else. But yeah, so very much like a classic sort of writer of mid-century America, right? Dabbles in poetry, mm-hmm. dabbles in novel writing, does a lot of journalism. This guy sounds like a beatnik... Yes, he's your classic fucking beatnik, pretty much. Okay. Maybe a bit early for that, even. Maybe, yeah. Probably his most famous stuff as a journalist was he extensively covered the rivalry between Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling. Hmm. No idea who they are. Oh, okay. Joe Lewis was an extremely famous American boxer. And unsurprisingly, Max Spelling was German. So, you know, in the late 30s, this is right during that big sort of sports rivalry between America and Germany, in which there was very frequently a heavily racialized dimension for obvious reasons. Yeah. Joe Lewis, in a sense, kind of really broke open the. Ah, like, okay. I wouldn't say broke open. There was like some other prominent black boxes before him, but he's like. Considered one of the best of all time, pretty much. Like, easily mm-hmm. up okay. there with Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. Um, in fact, I believe Joe Lewis was Ali's single biggest influence. Mm-hmm. But specifically, you know, he's writing from the perspective of, like, black newspapers, so he's really focusing on, like, the black perspective on Joe Lewis's career and his rivalry mm-hmm. with the German. He also may or may not have had... Involvement with the U.S. Communist Party. It's not really heavily agreed upon. A lot of kind of left-wing people were involved with the Communist Party at the time. And then as combination of the Red Scare and a greater awareness of the worst excesses of Stalin's purges became Mm. more well-known, that was a lot less common. But, like, yeah, fuck, like, even the... Civil rights movement had a lot of connections with the U.S. Communist Party, which it intentionally downplayed for very understandable reasons. 
Hmm. Now, what Dreams from My Real Father claims is that, first of all, Marshall Davis was absolutely a member of the Communist Party of the United States. Okay. And that Obama's grandfather, Stanley Dunham, was not a furniture salesman, but in fact a CIA agent. Oh, tasked with wait, a wandering wait, communist wait, in Hawaii. Wait, 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 wait. CIA agent, what year again? Yes. What year again? So this would have been in the 40s. Okay, when, when did 40s, they go from being the OSS to being the CIA? I uh, believe it was 40s, oh, wait. 47. So. Okay. All right. So 40s first. and 50s. So, yeah. This roughly okay. checks out. He would have been one of the earliest crop of CIA agents. Okay. And in the midst of all this, Stanley Dunham's daughter, Ann Dunham, who was also involved with the CIA, according to this documentary, ended up having an extended relationship with Marshall Davis. Mm-hmm. And the sort of main evidence given for this is that Marshall Davis had a hobby of doing nude photography of women. That's fair. Davis wrote that his photography consisted in a large part of nudes because the female body fascinates me, both aesthetically mm-hmm. and emotionally. Oh, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I agree. I agree. But, you know, you know, very sort of classic bohemian. And amongst all these nude photos he, was, he took, supposedly are some of Ann Dunham. So he took photos of someone that looked like Ann Dunham, so therefore... He must be Barack Obama's real father. Yeah, therefore Barack Obama secretly him and Ann Dunham's love child. Well, I like this theory, not even for unknown armies, but from the timing. Because he said that he's... Wait, he's, so Frank Marshall Davis's father was... No, no, Ann Dunham's father is a CIA agent. Okay. And Ann she's Dunham's also involved in CIA, but less directly. In this situation, Obama's maternal grandfather... Is a CIA agent. Oh, so, so, so either way, either way, either Barack way. Obama's grandfather could have been a Delta Green agent. Is that yes, what you're saying? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Fantastic. Actually, what they were doing around that period were rooting out a deep one colony in Hawaii, obviously. Ah, <laughs> there you go. This is why the program got refunded. Obama's mother and Marshall Davis were actually friends. They may okay. have even slept with each other. Who knows? Maybe that was her. May not even because she was sleeping with him. It might have just been, hey, can I take naked photos of you for part of my artistic nudes photography project? Well, my, sure, Frank. Maybe they did sleep together, but that doesn't mean that he's yeah. Obama's father. Yeah, like, also <laughs> very true. But apparently Davis was kind of a mentor to Obama, and Obama refers to him several times. During his autobiography, he refers to him under a pseudonym, though Obama has later gone on record saying that, yes, this was Frank Marshall Davis that I was referring to. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'd had a relationship. Um, okay, but so, so the point, I guess, of this documentary is that Barack Obama's father was secretly a communist guy. Yes, was secretly a communist. Therefore, because the communist gene passes down through the father. Yeah. That, that sort of, like, makes sense, actually. I mean, in a sense, yeah. it claims that Obama's... Grandfather's a secret CIA agent, and that his mother also worked for them are way more significant than just, oh yeah, also this communist poet was his real dad. I mean, like, Obama talks about this guy's beliefs in his biography. And he's like, 
yes, he was very influential on my early ideals. But as I became more involved with community activism, I always think back to his idealism and think, but Frank couldn't have actually gotten much done. He was too idealistic. Yeah, but what'd you get done, Barack? What'd you get done? Well, keep in mind, Dreams of My Father was written way before he was president. It was a random fuck. Before he was even senator. He got that book deal because he was the first black president of the Harvard Law Review back in fucking 1989. My thought is just, like, from that attitude of, like, ah, oh, he's too idealistic. He can never get real yeah. things done. Like, how'd, yeah. that, how'd that work out for you, Barack, when you, like, you were giving up the White House to this fucking crook fucking reality show guy. Let's say that Obama was a crypto Marxist. He was a real shitty Marxist was with t- what he was able terrible, to get. Terrible, terrible crypto Marxist. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, this conspiracy theory makes sense because, like, scientifically, the combination of the communist gene and the CIA gene creates a center-right Democrat. No, of course. That's where neoconservatism comes from, right? The, yeah. the Trotsky influences on neoconservatism, the foundation there, combined with an actual black communist, creates mm. very middle-of-the-road, milk-toast liberal. So, what do we rate the Obama crypto-Marxist theory? Oh, what? Like, I don't know. Um, I'd give it like a two. I'd... Two or three. <sighs> the, the Delta Green stuff's good. Because, I mean, what is Delta Green about if not taking conspiracy theory at... Complete face value to insert some Cthulhu shit. I mean, I can see, like, what I would like is to have an Unknown Armies campaign. We're all playing, like, Neo Weather Underground types that are so happy right. because your, your, your Manchurian candidate has been elected president in 2008, but the activation phrase hasn't worked. Oh no, he's still hidden beneath his like layer of neoliberal, like the fake personality we put on him. How do we wake up the real neo-Marxist? Also, you're all like in your 50s and 60s. Yes. So you're having to deal with like the issues of being like fucking old and trying to maintain the communist revolution at the same time. And your Manchurian candidate has gone rogue. Yeah, no, that's fun. I'll give it a two, generally speaking. It's a bit typical. I think that they would have said that about fucking, if it was President Hillary Clinton or President... Who was the next? Who was the other? Who was the 2004 guy? John Kerry? Yeah, they would have said it about John Kerry. They would have said it about Al Gore. They would have said it about fucking Howard Dean. Any Democratic president would have been called a crypto-Marxist. Yeah. So, yes. so I agree. And it, you, you see it leveraged against Clinton. You see it leveraged against fucking Carter. It is interesting, though. I'd say the crypto-Muslim thing is more interesting. I'd agree. I'd give that a three. Well, partially because yeah. of how widespread the belief was and kind of the interesting stuff that comes out of that. So, all right. Mo- crypto-Muslim is a three. Crypto-Marxist is a two. Birth certificate. So this is a fucking huge one, because again, like, God, this was just (laughs) fucking... Do you think that, like, Barack Obama's actual real birth certificate, that must be an artifact, or at least something of extreme symbolic power? I mean, I think any birth certificate is a pretty powerful magical artifact, especially if you're targeting... Oh, yeah. that's, That's pretty much the closest thing that our culture has to, like, a true name. That's true. Hmm, that's interesting. 
But it, it would have been bigger than that. Like, generally speaking, when you're doing gutter magic or whatever, you want someone's birth certificate, or you can get if that's a really useful symbolic yeah, element. Absolutely. But when it's something that has got so much like focus and so much ink spilled on this fucking thing, it must be it must be pretty potent. Well, and he has more than one technically. He has more than one, which is part of why this bullshit lasted as long as it did. These sorts of claims actually started as early as his, like, 2004 Senate campaign. And again, I think a lot of it's just rooted in, like, oh, his middle name's Hussein. Oh, my God. The ironic thing was, well, it wouldn't have mattered when he's running for Senate where he was born. Well, yeah, but, like, if he's lying about it and secretly not American. Like, there's a reason you see, especially in, like, sort of left-wing presidents... A lot of claims of secretly not being from America. You also saw them leveraged against FDR because it's a convenient way to one immediately other them as not yeah. you know, being a real American, and two suggest that they don't actually qualify for office because famously one of the qualifications necessary to be elected president of the United States is to be born in the United States of America. Yeah, but John McCain was born in the Panama Canal Zone. So and you didn't see much you talking about that, did you? Yeah. There was a a great conspiracy theory. It's no longer politically relevant. That, that's like all of these. None of these are politically relevant. But there was an argument, like, when, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor of California oh, yeah. and people were, like, pushing for him to be going, like, run for president, but, like, obviously he can't because he's born in Austria. And there was a conspiracy theory that they're pushing to get that citizenship stipulation removed by using Arnold Schwarzenegger, but the, the actual goal was to get Rupert Murdoch to become president. Oh, obviously, obviously. I never really heard that as like a conspiracy theory, more just kind of speculation. Mm. I guess, what's the difference there? It's just sad that we couldn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger running for office and saying things like, I, I like getting the feeling of coming on the podium. <laughs> it is like I'm coming all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing like he god that he would have had so many fucking scandals if he was running for president oh Holy absolutely shit. oh oh my god you know, what, what you really uh, want there is a republican primary where Rupert Murdoch and Arnold Schwarzenegger are running against each other what would have been fun is if Arnold Schwarzenegger became president but they kept making Terminator movies and then they yeah. tied it into the backstory of like, oh yes, the reason the Terminator looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger was because the robots wanted to mock humanity. The last human president. We made the killer robots look like the last president. That's good. <laughs> Fuck it, that's my headcanon now for the Terminator universe. Yep. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right, what else we got? So, as far as birther shit, yeah, this stuff was floating around since, like, 2004. It only picked up in 2008, because, mm. you know, he's running for president and one of the frontrunners. You actually saw some members of the Clinton campaign kind of get in trouble, because they're, like, spreading emails related to that around. Someone got kicked out of the That's campaign. That's fucking typical. Fucking Hillary and her fucking campaign. So, he ends up actually releasing his short-form birth certificate during 2008. But a lot of people are like, oh, this is obviously edited. And this is only the short form. Because in the United States, it's kind of like two pieces of paper. You can have a short form birth certificate. Or the long form. The long form is the one that's filled out, you know, right after you're born. Mm -hmm. But, you know, of course, the document's questioned. It's been photoshopped. The layering on the PDF is off. Literally stuff of this level. 
And he oh. about doesn't actually release his like full birth certificate until 2011. <laughs> Probably because he doesn't want to fucking humor that bullshit. And of course, it didn't make it go away, did it? By that point, he's probably thinking like, all right, fuck, I'm going for re-election now. I need to start thinking about it. Fine, here's the here's the long one. You fuck's happy now? The answer they was weren't. no. They weren't. They weren't happy. So uh, yeah, what you saw at this moment was like mainstream conservatism kind of stops talking about it. And I think at this point it was kind of like, all right, we need new material. Sorry. But then Drudge Report did this whole fucking takedown of it. It's interesting because a lot of like this arguing is purely on technicality, where it's not like, oh, Obama's a sleeper agent. He's a crypto Marxist. No, technically he was born in Kenya, and then the Democratic political machine edited stuff after the fact yeah. to try to hide that. Fucking, I mean, like, all sorts of talking heads were talking about it. Like, this was a pretty fucking common talking point for basically the entirety of Obama's fucking presidency. And it became more fringe in sort of the second term. But, I mean, even now you have a lot of people believing that Obama was not born in the United States. So, are there any gameable ideas we can get out of this one? I mean, like, as a... Nothing more than as an artifact or, well, actually, one idea is whether there was just a whole lot of fucking Cleomancers just throwing shit around for a while for, like, politically motivated Cleomancers and there's a whole, like, memory fucking wiping, mixing, like, that's why people are so convinced that he was born in Kenya or he was secretly Indonesian or all these things because, like, like they've messed with history. Here's another one. This was when Noman was first stretching the legs of its arcane powers. Oh, yeah, maybe, but it seems... Well, because, I mean, like, one of the big things that Noble Adepts get is they can, like, edit documentation and shit. Oh, yeah, true. But, yeah, maybe. So, Noman realized, like, oh, fuck, this would be a great way to stir up the blogosphere. Let's just edit some documents a little bit and just stir a bunch of shit. I'll create a bunch of delicious discourse that I can eat. Mmm, delicious discourse. (laughs) That's an interesting interpretation of no one, like, feeds on discourse. Of course! How much text, how much data comes out of petty political discourse on Twitter? That is actually... No, I'm, I'm more and more convinced this is the perfect, like, interpretation of no one. It's just like, just keep arguing online. I, I need it. Don't care what it is. Don't care what it is at all. I'm giving this a one. I'm giving this a one. Ah. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a one. Sure, it was really widespread. You could probably do some interesting stuff with, like, some fun ideological spins of, like, yeah, I don't think Obama was actually born in America, but I don't respect the legitimacy of documentation in general. There are probably a few people that are like, yeah, Obama was born in Kenya, but I believe Kenyans should be able to run for president of the United States of America just like anyone else. It could be that, actually, the never-when situation was that Kenya has always been the 51st state of the U.S. until someone fucked it up. Obama is secretly a never-one from a timeline where Kenya is an American colony. So technically he's a legitimate candidate for President of the United States. That's a good question here, though. Are you able to run for president if you're from an alternate United States of America? I think if you're never winning, the chances of you surviving long enough to complete a presidential race are pretty slim. That's true. Depends, depends. We've talked about ways I can get around that. Yeah, if you have some sort of protection around that, maybe. 
that as like a, a very sort of cult underground level conspiracy like not popular but like this is what people the cult underground believes it's like he's not he's, he's not born in this united states he was born in another one so the last one i want to go over i don't want to go over this too in depth because i'd like to honestly do this as its own episode at some point because i oh find it insane enough that you yep, can yep, like okay. it, it, there's fertile ground here and you know we we have many queer I'm friends good. and queer listeners of the yes. show. And we definitely want to bring yes. one of them on to discuss this with us. But uh, yes. Transvestigation and Michelle Obama. Ah, yes. So oh, those God. who don't know, Transvestigation is this conspiracy theory that large swaths of politicians and celebrities all over the world. All of them. All of them. <laughs> Often. Often all of them, because there's this weird, like, inversion process they talk about, are secretly trans. And basically, it's this terrible mix between your standard conspiratorial secret society thinking with the paranoid, transphobic grasps at clocking random people as trans. Where they'll just look at random fucking celebrities and be like oh this woman has an especially prominent Adam's apple obviously she's a trans woman there's this whole thing with like photographic phrenology yeah I call it where it's like they draw lines on the photograph and superimpose skulls over people but even though the skull isn't quite yeah. matching the face anyway it'd be like look at what this proves this proves everything and it overlaps with some of the reptoid conspiracy because people were doing the same thing to prove like various celebrities were reptoids by like, look at this photo. This is clearly like a, a reptilian fucking yeah. arch of his back or something. And it also overlaps to an extent with some sort of manosphere, sort of like analyzing photos of couples. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Being, being like, what's that? The whole the pussy facing the world discourse. <laughs> I mean, I find laughing at some of this shit I feel a bit guilty about some of it one cause like yeah this is like legitimately bigoted as hell and two especially in the yeah. case of like the transvestigation stuff it's in the same way as reptilian shit in a lot of ways it is very much fueled by subclinical or just flat out undiagnosed paranoid schizophrenia yeah sure but that's a lot of things I mean that's true I don't like to pathologize these sort of things because it's... Ah, no, I think people are just dumb and obsessive. It, it sort of becomes a question of like, when you reach a certain level of paranoia, how mm. much responsibility do you have for your actions out of constructing these wild fucking conspiracies? Well, that's the thing. It's like, if someone is like has wild paranoia and there is like a clinical reason for it, and that means that they produce a whole bunch of bullshit that people who aren't like clinically diagnosable but are just dumb or gullible will be like, look at all this evidence. And it's not like a binary too, right? It's yeah. like, again, and like I said, binary. I mentioned subclinical for a reason. Like you can be right on the cusp there in ways that yeah. affect your behavior in negative ways. 
and your thought processes in negative ways. It's all tied together because you can see, like, for example, like fucking Glinner, right? Who goes down that fucking transphobic rabbit hole and just loses everything. He yep. loses his career. He loses his respect to his peers. He loses his marriage. He loses everything. And it's clearly like he wasn't crazy in 2008 when someone criticized him for having a shitty transphobic joke in the IT crowd. But... It, he made the decision instead of like ignoring it or saying mea culpa in a couple of years or whatever. Instead, he was like, no, I, I must be morally right. Just keeps doubling down and doubling down. You just double your way down to a dark pit where you've got Nazis on your side. And it, that is a process of sort of self-radicalization. I mean, especially for people like on the cusp of these legitimate paranoid disorders it's a question of how much responsibility do you have for your own neuropsychology that's a good question because then you're having trouble then you're gonna have some troubles with fucking mind body fucking shit yeah. responsibility and like yeah that's a fucking rabbit hole yeah i don't know but it's an important thing it's like if someone's got manic depression they do crazy things can they be blamed for that? Maybe not. But can they be blamed for not taking the medication that they knew would stop them from having a manic episode? They can be blamed for that. Well, that gets harder when you deal with a paranoid disorder where, you know, okay, of course you're not going to take your fucking meds. You think that the CIA is using it to slowly poison you. Drink piss instead. That's how you solve all your problems, Torbson. That's right. You just have a cocktail of ivermectin and your own piss. And what else is and, and some a bit of adrenochrome and your right as rain. It's my hangover cure. And your flu cure and Yep. Anyway, with the Michelle transvestigation thing, it's clearly just racism. <laughs> it's clearly yes, just racism. But what's kind of interesting in this case is that she's kind of ground zero for this shit. Sure. And that she was like really the first public figure that people were like, oh, Obviously, she's trans, and the most fucked up and hilarious part of where all this starts, you know who set this off? Who did? Joanne Rivers. Joanne Rivers? Wait, I know this name. She's like a kind of comedian slash B-list oh. celebrity. She's been in like a oh, few that, celebrity yes, roasts. Yes, okay. okay she was on The View for a while, I think. Joanne Rivers, okay. Someone interviewed her. Uh, asks you like, oh, do you think we're ready for a gay president? She's like, oh, we've, we've already had a gay president. Michelle Obama, she's a trans, you know. That's amazing. Where did, where, where did she say this? I hope it was on Jimmy Kimmel or some shit. I think that she just said this on CNN. And, the, you know, she goes on to say, like, you can tell because of, like, how tall she is and, like, all the most beautiful women are actually trans women. Like, she, she, she says this right afterwards. Like, she's so good with fashion. So she was like trying to be, I guess she's trans, but but I like her. But here's some nice things to say about her. I was trying to give a compliment sandwich or some shit here. Yes, uh, and you know she's also like a comedian, so it's totally possible this was just a fucking bit. And what a bit! That's funny, and it does the whole ball rolling. Yeah, I think it was just racism. <laughs> There's a long history in the U.S. of certain races being excessively feminized or excessively masculinized. Yeah. yeah. I don't even say that's a U.S. thing. I'd say that's that's happened like fucking everywhere. It's happened to much. lots of places in different yeah. ways. Asian men are considered like feminized in different yeah. ways. And a related thing, it's like black kids get treated like older than they are 
by authority figures. They're like fucking 14 and they'd acted like people would act towards them like they're 18 and like even younger ages they're like oh he's a dangerous fucking youth and he's like 11 or some shit yeah that happens a lot it's just racism i think so i don't give this very high marks i think transvestigation in general can rate pretty high but this one in particular just because i I think transvestigation you can get you can pull a lot of interesting stuff out of that by taking those kind of parts of its ideas and stripping away the transphobia in various ways. I, I had an idea once. I was, I was trying to think of ways, like, how to make... Because this is, like, my endless goal of, like, how to, like, bring more, like, contemporary conspiracy theories into my games. I always get in trouble for doing this Agreed. in one way or another. It always causes me chaos, but I enjoy it. My idea for transvestigation... I was thinking in Delta Green terms, and oh, I was thinking, like, a dedicated transvestigator who stumbles across something, like, fucking the Innsmouth book or something, and then realizes what's really going on, but no one believes them because they were a transvestigator, and they just, just shot their reputation. I mean, they'd also what... probably, like, deal with the Innsmouth stuff. With the level of dubious rigor that transvestigators use. Okay. Transvestigation gets one thumb. Well, not even a thumb. Yeah, it's one. Well, at least the Michelle Obama dimension of it. There's some stuff there about how apparently selling your soul to the satanic establishment makes you transition automatically because your soul gets inverted. That's shit I want to get into later. Imagine how pissed off you'd be if you're trans and you go through this whole fucking rigmarole of going to a million doctors to get everyone to sign off on your transition and you're getting all this bullshit. It's an entire fucking years-long process and then you find out these fuckers are gatekeeping, like, the trans room of renunciation where you're just like, oh, no, you just go in here and then you come out, it's fine. But you're not allowed to have that. This is only for the rich folks. So... This conspiracy deep dive has not, at least what I got, didn't bear much interesting fruit. Do you got anything interesting in particular you want to bring up? Oh, we got, we, got, we got it a lot, but there's a few crazy ones which we'll just hit real quick because they're kind of dumb. There is the gay orgy. Yes, of course. Another accusation that's going to get leveraged at pretty much any president, let's be real here, that they have secret homosexual lovers. Yeah, it's pretty boring. This yeah. was a, basically a small-time con man named Larry Sinclair gave a press conference where he made accusations about Barack Obama, just gay sex, drugs, murder, sure. like all sorts of things. All the good I, stuff. I, I give this like, all the good stuff, I give this more thumbs up personally because I think that it's more interesting than a lot of these other ones. I think Party Obama... Orgy Obama is is pretty fun. So, yeah, murder orgies are probably unlikely, but I'd give it some more thumbs up because it's interesting. I just like the idea of, like, you know, secret rich people, elite, decadent orgies, but it's, you know... It's it's still, you're dealing with the dynamics that always exist at orgies, where there's a lot of people that are kind of awkward, hanging out at the edge of things, you know, Mm -hmm. eating from the buffet, because many orgies do legitimately have good buffets. Yep. And oh my god, and then Obama's like at the orgy feeling a bit awkward. It gets even more awkward when he sees Ayers in the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Bill. Hi, Barack. <laughs> and if you talk to any like people in kink or swingers communities, they'll say like, oh yeah, it's actually really fucking difficult to like wrangle a bunch of people into having sex. A lot of times they'll just get distracted by the food or like... Sure. Playing board games. 
that's the thing. It's like, do you want to go to the orgy just only for the sex, or is it like, is it that just part of? It's the, a community the, thing. Part yeah. of the overall. You go. You, fire, like the only reason I attend Bohemian Grove meetings is because they have the best settlers of Catan games. Like even even back in the day, even with like fucking Greco-Roman orgies, you're not expected to be there just having sex. You're supposed to be having a good time, yes. whatever that means. Like you want to be like free and wild, like Dionysus. Dionysus does not want to be pressured into having sex because that's what's expected of you at this event. Like that's that's, that's a bullshit. A sexual man attending an orgy just because it's a place to get free alcohol. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just, just hanging out, being yeah. like, well, I'm the host, I had the best house, like, I'm not interested in participating, but you guys have fun, and we've got Catan. Cheerleading from the side. Yep, yep. Just with, with the Gatorade bottles. Yeah. Great host, great host. Come on, Steve, and in there. <laughs> go, go, go. Do I need to pull out the metronome on my See. phone? Rhythm man, come on. Hype man, orgy hype man, another great identity for other armies. <laughs> Is a theory that Obama fooled around with an attractive young staffer oh, God. during yeah, his 2004 again, every Senate campaign. Gets this one thrown at them. Yep, and the theory goes on to say that the the woman was exiled to the Caribbean by Michelle Obama before mm. his presidential run, which is a bit more interesting. Yeah, that's just where the Democrats put all of their like. <laughs> They're consensual sex scandal involved people. It's like, okay, we're going to put you on an all-expenses-paid Caribbean vacation for the next 10 years. Yeah. Where would the Republicans use? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Fire Island. Fire Island. Oh, God. So, yeah, that's that's. I think that's sort of like a rehash of certain Clinton-era conspiracy theories. So it's I mean, in the Clinton-era... Uh, cons- I wouldn't call that a conspiracy theory in Clinton's case. Oh yeah, sure, but like, it's it's part of a well. It's because of the it's the Kennedy Clinton sort of legacy that some Democratic presidents are going to have to deal with from now on. I'd say, honestly, fine. I'd say like yeah, any it's... sort of young and handsome, handsome president's going to probably going to have that leverage to them. Because generally, Absolutely. a politician Absolutely. like that has, to a certain degree, a reputation of womanizing. Obama was actually kind of yep. abnormal in that he didn't really have much of that. Hmm, he's too serious. And I, this kind of brings up the question of like, where's the line really between conspiracy theory and just kind of good old fashioned rumor mongering, especially when you're dealing with highly public figures like this? There's not a clear line. The clear line is how elaborate your rumor has become. Well, like, this is kind of what I mean like, when I say that conspiracy theory is just kind of modern folklore and that it, yeah, just, it comes from the same definitely. source of just, it's gossip. All this is fundamentally gossip of various sorts yep. and falls under the same... Patterns that human gossip always does of speculation based off circumstantial evidence. We have to talk about how he went to Mars. Oh, yes, of course. Please tell us about Obama's trips to Mars. <laughs> this is a theory that came up from a lawyer from Washington State named Andrew Baziago and a man named William Stillings who came forward in, I think Baziago came forward first in 2004, but then in 2011 they came out again claiming to be whistleblowers as a CIA training program that teleported people to Mars and also had time travel powers. Oh, so it wasn't even space travel. It was teleportation and time travel. Ah. Now, part of the theory, this is related to something called Project 
Pegasus, which is the secret government teleportation research and development thing that was started in the late 40s and continued under DARPA in 1958 when it was formed. Of course, that's the fucking title they give the teleportation research project. Of course, of course. DARPA and the CIA cannot keep their fucking hands out of their pants with regards to, like, broadcasting what their crazy research projects are. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me, like, if you saw, like, coded references to MK Ultra in documents somewhere, you wouldn't say, no, it's mind control, though I don't think it's that far to be like, okay, yeah, this is what about. But you'd be like, oh, this is called MK Ultra. Obviously, this is something really fucking important. They always have to give them these cool fucking names. You gotta have the cool name. What's the point otherwise? The, or, or you have you're working on a shit project which is nothing, and you give it a cool name to make it sound more interesting. And, and then some of them are those, and some of them are the other one. So it, it keeps it, it keeps it spicy. Yeah. Now, according to Basiago, when he got involved in Project Pegasus, they had pre-identified a bunch of U.S. presidents through their time travel experiments. Which is really interesting because it opens up some questions. Like, if you're bringing this into a game, like, opens up questions about, like, how is this going to work? Is this, like, a, a 12 monkeys style predestination fatalist time travel universe? Or is this, like, did they, pre- they identified Clinton and then Bush and then Obama. He didn't mention anything about Trump, which would have been a smart thing to mention at the time. Yeah, I would think so, if only as a warning. Now, we want to surprise him. That's a big surprise. There are lots of ways you can mess with this. So the theory is that they pre-identified Barack Obama as the future president. So they started training him from the age of 10, giving him briefings and all that sort of stuff, because he would be the president one day. Where's the chicken and egg situation here? Are they making them presidents because the time travel machine told them they'd be presidents? Like, where'd this come from? There's an interesting philosophical side to this. But the claims go on to say that Barziago, as a child, through this program, was teleported to Mars, which he described as being a bit like the American Southwest with some colonies. Um. Yes, yes. And Obama was there under the name, using his name of Barry Suetoro, his Indonesian name, which was his real name. So yeah, there's a lot to this. There's too much to talk about, really. But it is kind of fun. I do have some questions about... Like, maybe they didn't pre-identify Trump. Maybe he was a wild card. Maybe they couldn't see past, like, 2013 or something. Or, ah, ha, 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 now I know. You could say that they only could see up to maybe 2012 to do the Mayan calendar bullshit. Oh, obviously, yeah. They can Um, only see within a specific era. In old conspiracy books that I used to read, like, I only vaguely remember, there was a theory about, like, the US government having, like, time travel abilities, but... They could only travel between the time that the time travel machine was turned on to the time it's finally turned off in 2012, and they could go anywhere in between, which I always thought was kind of interesting. So it kind of follows primer rules? Kind of, yeah. But I don't think it was that stringent. (laughs) If I were to use time travel shit in this sort of game, I'd want it to be Mm -hmm. maximally hokey back to the future time travel bullshit. And then just sure. talk about how horrific the implications of that in the hands of, like, U.S. intelligence and CIA would be. Like, I do like hokey fucking time travel. One thing I'd always want to avoid, although I'd, I'd keep it as an element, but one thing that always annoyed me about Back to the Future is, that, like, 
Doc talking about like if you meet your future self, it could destroy the universe. And it's just like, then why do you fucking make the time machine, Doc? Like, this is so you've proved it can be done. That means that the universe is gonna be destroyed if that's true. Doc Brown was actually a crypto antinatalist the entire time. He was an homicidal maniac that was trying to bait Marty McFly into destroying the Earth across all timelines. Oh, fucking, he's like Owl Man in the new interpretation. I see. Yes. I see. That's pretty interesting. Now, my thoughts on this is clearly it's bullshit, but it's fun. I like Obama as a child being on Mars as a young man. I like like briefings for 10-year-olds because they've been pre-identified as future U.S. presidents. That's fun. You really want to throw off your GM. Throw Mars base on the corkboard for your next NRA's game. Yeah. Well, if I was a GM, I'd just make it in other space. I'm like, like it, they describe it as like a teleportation device that gets you to Mars, but it looks like the American Southwest. Can you, like, like, well, it's just, uh, that's just I'd a portal. I'd be tempted on a corkboard <laughs> to be like Mars base, no other space is allowed. No you need to figure out something physically on Mars, <laughs> motherfucker. This isn't fucking microscope. You can't like, get rid of things. You could just say like, yeah, no, you just put it like Mars base, parenthesis, not another space. So... As far as Obama and the occult underground, the big thing there is kind of the foundation of his career as a community activist was in Chicago when Chicago was sort of the center of the American occult underground in the 90s. Ah. So, was I able to find anything definite? No. Was I able to find a few things circumstantial? Absolutely. Like, for example, we know that Obama... New Alex Abel. We know that they've known each other for a while. Uncomfortable funerals involving <laughs> guests, including William Ayers, Barack Obama, and Alex Abel, yep. all avoiding each yep. other. Well, let's not get into Alex Abel's... Well, he's been involved with two undergrounds. One occult, one weather. Yeah, he wouldn't be involved with the weather underground. No, he think. It's not his MO. <laughs> it's not, no. Well, no. I mean, obviously, his involvement with the weather underground was sending assassins to kill some of their members back when he was doing That's that. That's true, yeah. Yep. Oh, fuck. These fucking commies got off scot-free. All right, that's not going to happen. They blew up a bank, goddammit. That was my bank. So we know that as early as 1989, when Obama's like still at Harvard, he kind of has a mm-hmm. guy named Newton P. Minow as a mentor because he mm-hmm. ends up interning at his law firm. And Minow okay. takes Obama under his wing to a certain degree. And as Obama's career continues, he goes on to introduce Obama to a lot of Chicago's top business leaders, which would, of course, include mm-hmm. Alex Abel. Abel, mm-hmm. during most of the 90s, is operating out of Seattle, primarily. But we do know that he keeps a foot in both cities. Okay. And what's interesting there is because that would have been, like, right around when Abel was dealing with the fall of the keys and first really looking into all that Mm. shit. So I'm just imagining (laughs) a very awkward meeting between a young Barack Obama, Newton P. Minow, like, at some, like, fucking cocktail dinner or something. Wow, fucking Alex Abel is just ranting about what he hallucinated during his stroke is what everyone else thinks. 
I, I, I'm just imagining like a young, helpful young activist, idealist, idealist activist, walking down the street in Chicago and being like, "Oops! Oh, looks like you dropped your keys. Here they are." <laughs> My suspicion is that Abel probably has had an eye on Obama for a while, because I do think that for some time. Abel was operating on the assumption that the archetype that he had failed to ascend to was the man who succeeded where you should have. And he was specifically looking at Mm. that through kind of like a racial dimension. So Mm. since Obama ends up being elected as the first black president of the Harvard Law Review in 1990, right around when the fall of the keys, Mm. that's a big media event. Like newspapers all over the country talk about it. I think that Alex Abel mm-hmm. may have put like Obama on the short list for potential ascendees instead of him before he narrowed it down to the naked goddess. I'm just imagining fucking Alex Abel like sitting in this office room on the walls. It's just like photographs of up and coming young black professionals. <laughs> yes. He's just glowering at me like it should have been me, damn it. And right in the middle of that is like, with big old ears and a big old smile is Barry Obama. Yep, but it's just one of many, like, he probably would have, like, yeah. But then like, when he meets them, when Minnow's doing the round, he's like, wait a second, what are you doing here? What do you know about the invisible clergy, Barack? <laughs> Barack's like, what the fuck? But what's most interesting to me is in book two, it outright says, and I quote, Urbanomancers of Chicago are bad news. They've got their fingers in the sticky pot of political power and can use cops instead of the homeless for their ragged warrior spells. Hmm. So, Obama probably knew a few prominent Urbanomancers within Chicago. To a degree, knowingly. Maybe. That's interesting. Whether he knew what they were or not. Like, you know, someone especially involved with, like, grassroots, like, ground-level community activism like that is gonna take heed when, you know political operators are paying a ton of attention to Scratches the Rat Man and his Mm. plans for the renovations of the public transit system. Yeah, but at that stage in Barack's career, he was probably dealing with lots of crazy people and lots of weirdos. Okay, but the point when other political leaders listen to the weirdos is when you pay attention. Well, there's lots of weirdos they listen to, though. It's... I'm not sure he like you could easily make a case like it wouldn't be too difficult to be like Barack knew something of the occult underground but it also wouldn't be too difficult to say nah he knew nothing it was just there was it was around him but he was in the wrong spaces or he just missed it because it's sort of the question of like with Mondays with power like how much power how much knowledge are they really going to have it's going to vary and most it's going to lean towards that they don't know nothing yeah because you're dealing most of the time with people who are like give us give us money for this or like other stupid shit i mean something that isn't really talked about much are people that know about the existence of the occult underground and think that everyone involved are complete lunatics and are entirely full of shit yeah sure they know about this weird subculture that's this Mm -hmm. bizarre mix of cults and organized crime and they're on the edge of this enough that they haven't really experienced any stuff that would cause a particularly powerful natural shock and they're just like mm. oh yeah I know about that guys they're all fucking insane and I'm happy that they all murder each other instead of everyone else 
that's just sort of like being aware that some criminals are insane and leave weird shit. It's sort of like, but that's just like plenty of mundane crazy criminals are like this as well so it's hard to tell the difference like there's no like the only difference would be an understanding that there's a subculture but even that's like the the occult underground is as a subculture is pretty nebulous and overlaps with both well the occult mainstream and just the the criminal underground so it's hard to see if you're looking at it from the outside it's hard to see where one stops and the other begins or even if it does so it's easy to write it off as okay this is a crackhead talking about aliens in his brain or something but it gets weird when your boss starts taking that same crackhead's opinions on future policy to heart is when you're like oh okay yeah maybe there's something else going on here i suspect that obama is probably fairly aware of the color underground both from the positions of how much of a center of U.S. occultism Chicago was during the 90s, and how Obama's yeah. kind of getting exposure to this from two different angles, both from the bottom Maybe. up, and there were at least a few community leaders you'd have to work with who were involved in the occult underground. Especially as he got like higher place in his career, he'd probably have to deal with Alex Abel fairly directly. Maybe. Alex Abel got pretty good about hiding his power level, but I, I think he'd probably let it slip once or twice if you're having to work with him regularly over the course of a few months. Yep. The main thing that really cracks this thing open, obviously, okay. the fact that Eponymous turns on Abel in the same year that Obama announces his candidacy, 2007. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Obviously, something's there. Obviously, you're going to look at the faces of Obama's security detail behind the sunglasses and see a very familiar-looking physique, perhaps with more clean haircut. So, hey, maybe there's something there. Maybe. 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 I think Michelle knew. Michelle knew everything. Barack was in the the dark. Michelle's obviously the power behind the throne here. Of course. So that's how it's together. Obama is the... The master of the secular world. And then Michelle, through her healthy school lunches program, was distributing charges oh, to yeah. the children of America. Inspired by Mac attacks, but wanting to put it under the thumb of the current neoliberal regime. That's right. Although I have to admit, and this is cruel and spiteful of me, but it made me smile when Malia Obama started smoking cigarettes. Because I'm like, ha, sucked in Michelle. Ha, ha. You chased Barack around telling him not to smoke, but look what happened. Ha! Ha! I can't blame her. Fuck. Look, she has her own life to live. That life has to be fucking stressful. Of course, of course. It's like, I don't entirely blame Hunter Biden for smoking crack. I, I might smoke a bit oh, of crack fine. too if I were had that much pressure on me, you know. Yeah, well, we'll we'll get into Hunter Biden's laptop in a future episode. How can we make this capable? <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Hunter Biden's laptop would be an excellent fucking Dracula dossier for another. Oh yeah, that's actually you've you've solved it. You've solved it. Like now, now I imagine this fucking hypothetical money bags fucking UA GM who just like the first session or the second session just puts a whole laptop on the table, being like, "Here it is. Here's all the shit you need to know is on this laptop somewhere. This is your handout." Most importantly, all the dick pics are preserved. They're all on there, too. That's right. That's right. But it turns out that if you arrange them in the right way, you can create a sigil that allows you to... That is, that's a great scene. That's an amazing scene. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Look at these penises. They're bent in... This is very interesting. If you combine them together... Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Thank you, 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 thank you